Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. You know, I got a great show for you guys today, and it's actually kind of one I wasn't expecting to do, you know, but I told you if we have some really important guests coming up that we really want to get out for you, we're going to do the show. So uh, our first guest is Larissa Wall. She is on the Hallmark Channel, uh, one of their daytime shows, and she's a pet rescue expert, and she's going to be talking about how to help animals during a crisis, like the crisis we're going through right now. If you're looking to adopt an animal, there could be hope. It could still actually happen. She's going to tell you all about that. And then we have uh, Christopher Polaha, who's starring in a brand new Hallmark Movies and Mysteries series airing March 29th called Mystery 101, An Education in Murder. So if you're looking for something fun to do to get your mind off of everything, this is going to be something you're going to want to see. And it's going to be fun and entertainment for the whole family. So you ready to get, you ready to get into it? Let's get it started. You're about to enter a world of creativity and mingle with people that follow their dreams to color your world and brighten your day. From top celebrities to rising stars of tomorrow on the AME Radio Show. The show that is the voice of artists and entertainers everywhere. Now, here is your host, Jason Dowd. So here we are again. I'm really excited to be here with you guys. And like I said, we need to sit there and follow up with things that are positive in our lives right now. You know, it is so tough being stranded at home. I get that. You know, but there are a lot of things that we can do to make this time a positive experience for all of us. You know, for me, what I'm doing is I'm trying to do the exact same thing I did before we had to go into some type of quarantine. You know, I'm trying to reach out to my friends. I'm trying to just make sure that they're okay. I'm taking this time to reevaluate myself. I find myself, but I'm also looking at ways that I can be a little bit better than I, than I expected myself to be. You know, one of the things I would like to do is I'd like to get back into photography. You know, I haven't been able to do it as much because of the fact that my MS has been so bad. But you know what? I, I realized I can't let that keep me down. It is hard to do. Don't get me wrong. But I was my favorite. I, I love myself the most when I was out there taking photos and making some amazing stories for people to look at. And I want to do that again. And I'm going to try to do my best to get myself back to that situation so I can start setting up things maybe when this quarantine's over. So, you know, I'm trying to look at things that I can do for myself to benefit myself, but also benefit other people as well. And I encourage you guys to do the same thing. You know, this is a great time to really reevaluate who you are, where you want to go in life. Um, you know, bring life down to a slower pace because that's when we are able to see the world for what it is, not as we perceived it before. And you can appreciate things more for sure. Now, I have no doubts in my mind that everything's going to be just fine. We're going to get through this. You know, we are going to come out stronger and better than we ever were before. And as Americans, I know for a fact that when crisis comes, we come together as a group unlike any other. And we show the world why we consider ourselves one of the greatest countries in the world. And it's not necessarily because of the land that we're on. It's because of the people that we are. And um, I think we're going to do that again. Okay, so like I said, I have a couple of great guests coming up today. I hope that you guys are really excited to listen to them and see what they have to offer. You know, a lot of great advice is going to be coming your way for your pets uh, from Larissa, and I really can't wait to get into that particular interview. And then I'm really excited to talk to Christopher, too, because you know what? We need some fun. We need to, to challenge our brain, and he's in, a mur he's in a mystery movie that I think you're going to have a lot of fun with, and I, I know... Because if you're anything like me, you're going to try to figure out what actually happens before they do. And this is going to challenge your mind. It's going to be fun. You can get your family together. You can eat some popcorn, uh, have some sodas or waters or milks or champagne, whatever you want to do. But just get together and enjoy yourselves and watch this movie. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, kind of take a bow out here for a quick second so, so that way I can get right to these uh, interviews. But before I go out, please check out our websites, www.theamemagazine.com. You'll be able to see what the AME experience is all about. And um, you can download our, our apps for the Apple or Android platform. You can follow us on social media, sign up for a newsletter, and more. Also, as long as the coronavirus is going, my company, Gladys Goodies, will give you a 20% discount on anything, any of our treats, homemade blankets, and homeopathic solutions on our website. And that's to help keep you 
going with your pets. Get them something that they can enjoy too. And, uh, you know, get them a good healthy snack. So you don't have to do anything. No promo codes. Just go up there and buy it. You don't have to, no minimums. Just go try some treats and you'll get yourself 20% off. All right, let's take that quick commercial break. We'll be right back after this and don't go anywhere. I'm Gladdy the Dachshund, the face of Gladdy's goodies. Are you worried about your pet's health? My parents were too, especially since I developed pancreatitis. They couldn't find any treats I could eat, so they made some. Our natural treats are healthy for all dogs, with and without health issues. We have lots of delicious flavors like chicken, turkey, salmon, sweet potato, beef, and more. With our homemade treats, you won't worry about the contents because they have no chemicals, fillers, or bad ingredients. Go to gladdiesgoodies.com now to get your fur friend a bag and pick them up some swag while you're there. You'll be glad you did. Remember, we have the treats and swag to make their tails wag. Again, that's gladdiesgoodies.com. Again, that's gladdiesgoodies.com. Hi, this is Jamie Lunar. You remember me from Melrose Place? I listen to AME Radio Show. Hey, everybody. We are on the line through Skype with a very dear friend of the AME experience here. Her name is Larissa Wall. And we're going to be talking about how to help animals during the times of crisis. We are in a really weird time. Everybody knows it. And uh, I actually had an experience not, that not but two days ago about with my dog. So I know that this is a, this is a trying time and it's more complicated, especially with animals. And because, uh, you know, sometimes not everybody's open. So right. Let's talk about this and, and let's help our animals through this time of need because I'm sure they feel our stress. They can feel things that we're going through as well. <laughs> Muppet can, hear, can feel the stress, that's for sure. <laughs> yes. So tell me a little bit about some of the things that we are running into right now that we may not think about that's going on with, with animals, especially during a time of crisis where it might be more difficult. Sure. Thank you so much, Jason. Thank you for having me on here. Um, if you hear barking in the background, it's Muppet or piggly over here. Um, so yeah, you know, this is a very unusual time. This is something we've never seen or dealt with before. We've seen earthquakes, tornadoes, fires. We kind of know the drill a little bit um, when natural disasters like that happen, but we have never in our lifetime had something like this. And so shelters, just like you and I, are trying to grapple with what to do as well. And Unfortunately, most of them, because of the need for social distancing, have had to close their doors to the public. Um, same thing goes for rescue organizations. They have canceled all their adoption events, like when you walk into a Petco or a PetSmart and you see them all there and it gives you the opportunity to mingle and maybe find your best friend. They can't do that right now. So the problem is that it's only making it that much harder for people to decide on adopting an animal. And mo most people aren't waking up right now and thinking, hey, let's go down to the local shelter and see who needs help. You know, they're dealing with their own stress of what's going on and surviving. Um, and so I do want to say that most shelters are working by appointment only. So that means you can still adopt and foster. I want everybody to know that it is still very possible. It does take a little bit of extra work because now you're having to go online, you have to schedule an appointment, you might have to look through the animals virtually to see which, you know, catch your attention and then go down and kind of see those animals specifically. So it's not quite as easy, um, but it is still possible. And I'm still urging everybody to do that, especially right now. So that's one of the issues that we're seeing. The other issue is that people are very fearful. We are living in a, in a time where facts are still coming in. We still don't quite know fact from fiction. So people are still worried that animals can transmit it, or I should say domestic pets can transmit COVID-19. 
which at this point in time is not the case, according to the World Health Organization. But a lot of people are still scared of that. The other thing is they're scared that they might get sick and have to put their money into helping themselves. And so animals kind of come last on the totem pole. So they're being surrendered, you know, out of fear or whatnot. So animals are still being turned into shelters. Not as many are leaving, and that poses a huge problem where euthanasia for space is going to be happening on a mass level. It happens every day regardless, but unfortunately, it's only going to be magnified right now. Right. So that's one of the biggest problems with rescuing right this second. Now, with the rescues, I know one of the things that's most important is the one-on-one connection. You know, right. and uh, we do that by going to see them and seeing how they interact with us sometimes or are their dogs. Are they changing anything in protocol as as far as that? Or do we kind of have to just take a take a risk that this dog's going to be compatible with us? Well, so for the most part, shelters want to make sure that it's a good match, because unfortunately, we know if it's not a good match, that animal's going to be turned right back in you know, within days, weeks, months. So they do still want you to make sure that you have that connection with the animals. They are still allowing that, but it's a slower process. It's a one-on-one right now. It's again, making an appointment. You can't just walk in and kind of peruse the aisles as easily as you could before. So it definitely takes a few extra steps. It might also mean waiting a few days to get a response because, you know, it's so funny. A lot of these rescue organizations, they have real jobs as well. So right right now I'm helping one of my friends who runs a rescue. I'm the one going through her emails and looking at applications and kind of flagging the ones that I think would work for certain animals because she works in HR. So she's still working her normal job, albeit from home, but they don't have the same amount of time to respond to people. So I also want people to know not to take it personally if you don't get a response right away. It's not because they don't like you. It's not because they think you'd be a bad pet owner. It's the fact that everybody is is kind of figuring this all out together. And so it's taking people a little extra time. And the good news is that depending where you live and where you're located, um, and I can only speak for LA right now, they are having a good, 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 good outpouring of of support from people in certain areas. So they are working a little slower because they're working on a skeleton staff and they are having a lot of people apply, which is the best news ever. So it might just take a few extra days. So don't get frustrated. It's not you. They will get to you. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know the feeling of that waiting period, even when before the, the, the virus came out, you know, I was I was trying to rescue a dog after my two dogs passed away. And I was trying so hard just to get, you know, some type of reaction. I didn't. I, so I know, I know what it's like to wait. And I know that that's, sometimes it's not always easy to be patient. And I would also say, and this is COVID-19 and not COVID-19, um, start following any rescues or organizations on social media as well. Facebook, Instagram, a lot of times they don't get to their website as quickly as sometimes they get to their social media stuff. And when a lot of applications come in, especially with desirable pets, you will see that if, you know, we kind of see this all the time on our show, Home and Family, when we have, let's say, a pit bull on, you might get three applications. You have a cute little fluffy white dog, you'll get 87 applications. And so going through those takes a lot of time. So again, it also, you know, just kind of have a little compassion always, but especially right now, because, you know, we're all in this together and we're all kind of figuring it out at the same time. (laughs) That's true. Try not to get frustrated because I know a lot of people, when they do decide to make the, um, to take the leap and adopt an animal, they want to do it now. And so they want that animal in their home by tonight at five o'clock. And so (laughs) if they don't get a response, they get frustrated. They might go out and buy a puppy because they can have that puppy by five o'clock tonight. But just take a breath. Anything that's worth having, you know, might take a little bit extra time. And right now, if you have the heart and the home, think about who really needs it. You know, instead of going in and thinking, I want the cutest little purse puppy, Think about what animal is truly sitting in the shelter the longest that's really kind of losing hope day by day because nobody's coming in, nobody's taking them out for enrichment. And really consider, you know, not going in with too many preconceived notions about what you want, but maybe flipping the switch and seeing who you can help the most right now. I know that. Uh, Where we got our our two little dogs, there was a, a dog named Candy Corn over there. It's so cute. 
But, you know, it's been two years and it's still in the shelter. Ugh. And that just breaks my heart to see that. I wish I could do something. I mean, I would adopt the dog, but I'm at my, my county's limit of three. So I can't have another one right now. But I'll tell you, if I had, if I had room, Candy Corn would be right here with me today. Oh, I know. <laughs> Look, I'm human too. We all want that really cute fluff ball. And I, you know, have to say my, two of my rescues are those cute, you know, typically designer looking dogs. But you know what? At this point in time, I would be more open to adopting the, the one that's sitting in the shelter for years, that's losing hair because it's stressed out. Because, you know, a lot of dogs are going to fly. They're going to go really quickly. They're desirable. People want the small size, whatever it is. It's the ones that, that aren't like that, that really, really need us right now. And I do also want to talk a little bit about fostering, which is of utmost importance, yeah. importance right, at this crisis. Um, fostering is amazing. It's, it's when you take an animal into your home temporarily, um, could be a few days, could be a few weeks, could be until it finds its forever home, kind of depends on the shelter or the rescue organization that you're working with. So it's always good, especially if you're new to fostering, to find an organization that you really feel comfortable with, that you can call upon with questions, that you can, um, you know, have a support system, basically. Because especially as a new foster, especially if you're not uh, experienced with having animals, um, things go wrong. They might <laughs> poop in the corner. They might bark when you leave the house. They might, you know, chew something up. You want to be able to call someone and say, is this normal? What do I do? Help. Can you come over and show me what to do here? And, and any wonderful rescue organization or shelter will have that. But some are just stretched too thin and can't. So, you know, if you're new to the process, find someone that you have someone of a relationship with. And right now, you know, fostering is is doing wonders because, as I said, people can't walk in and out of the shelter. So these animals are working with you know very few volunteers and, and resources right now. They aren't getting out of their kennels for any enrichment, for any playtime. So by fostering an animal, even if it's for the next two or three weeks, they're going to be in a home setting. They're going to be mingling with people, maybe other animals. And you, as the human, can then give the shelter or the rescue information on that animal they may never have known. Does it like big dogs? Does it like small dogs? Does it bark on walks? Is it good on a leash? Is it potty trained? Uh, does it guard its food when you put it down? Is it a gentle treat taker? Like all of those things that is such helpful information to find this dog a forever home, they may never know. But because you fostered it and someone knows that it spent three weeks in a home environment and did excellent or maybe needs to work on these three things and those are three things you can handle, that animal might get adopted like that, whereas it may never get adopted when there's so much mystery to it. That's true. You know, that's some great advice that we don't always think about, you know, and, and it's a good way to also find out if you guys are ready for a yes. uh, particular, um, you know, a pet or, tr or anything because of the fact that, you know, you, it's one thing to bring them in your home for good, but if you can send them back for a little bit, you know, and just have them there for a little bit till they get a home, you get a, you get the experience and see if it's something you really want to do. Oh, I recommend everybody foster because A, you might not know if you're ready for a full-time, full lifetime commitment. B, you might not know what kind of animal you're looking for or what kind of breed. I mean, I've, when I first started fostering, I fostered the wrong dogs for me. They were really energetic. They needed lots of exercise. They were really jumpy. They destroyed the house when I left. And it wasn't because they were bad dogs. It's because that was their breed. That was what they were intended to do and, and bred for. Whereas now, after doing that a few times and after having to replace molding around my apartment and, <laughs> and repaint, um, I am much more aware of what I can handle as a human being. Nothing wrong with that. It took a little trial and error, but that's what fostering allows you to do. On the flip side, I do want to make an important note that I'm noticing right now is if you are going to foster right now, which thank you, thank you, thank you. I hope everybody can and will. Please let the rescue or shelter know your time commitment up front. Because here's what I see that could happen right now. All these wonderful human beings are fostering for two, three weeks. Then work's going to start on a Monday. That Saturday or Sunday, 
all these animals are going to be brought back at the same time and the shelters and rescues are going to be overwhelmed again. So if that's the case, if you can only do it for two weeks or three weeks, great. It's still a big help, but just let them know so that they can plan accordingly and kind of see what animals they're going to need to plan for a, a bee plan. Um, and some may fall in love and keep the animal forever, which is even better. That's kind of the, the, the hope. But if it doesn't happen, that's okay. At least they know what to plan for in the coming weeks. The other thing is if you are going to adopt right now, please don't adopt um, and then bring them back when work starts up again, if you can at all help it. I know, I know work does pose a challenge. So when we kind of go back to normal, there's going to be a transition time for you and the animal you may have rescued during this time period. But please remember that fostering and adopting is a commitment. And whether it's for two weeks or the lifetime should be taken, you know, seriously. Sure. Now, one of the things I'd like to see about, you know, especially in this time of, uh, of crisis is health of the pets, you know, like vets. Are we seeing anything, any problems with vets? What about, what about uh, medicines? Are we seeing any shortages of that because of the, 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 the virus? Should we stock up on stuff like that? How can we protect our, our animals for their health? Such a good question. Okay, so here's, and I have to preface this with the fact that I'm not a veterinarian, and I only know based on the experience I've had with my vets right now and kind of hearing through, you know, my rescue circle. Vets, most vets are still staying open, including emergency vets. Uh, they are considered necessities. That said, a lot of not emergency vets, regular veterinarians, a lot of them are working with a skeleton crew so that there aren't too many people in the office at any given point. Some make you actually call from outside they will come get the animal and do everything that's needed inside, but you cannot come in. So that is something that people need to be aware of, that their animal may be taken inside without them being there, which is for everybody's safety. Um, again, I want to I wanna really make certain that everybody understands that according to the World Health Organization, domestic pets cannot transmit COVID-19 and vice versa. That said, Always wash your hands when you're dealing with your animals, just like common sense would, would you know, say. The second thing is right now, it's okay, and I would urge you not to let other people interact with your pets when you're out walking. You know, say some, some kid wants to come up or, you know, your neighbor, A, you should be social distance anyway. But you don't want any germs being transmitted from their hands onto your pet, and then you bring your pet inside. Wash your animal, you know, every so often. Give it a nice good bath, just like you would yourself. And don't let anybody walk your dog right now, but, you know, handing leashes. Have your own leashes. If for some reason, a neighbor, let's say you're a senior and somebody wants to come help you, which I always also advocate for. If you live in a neighborhood, if there are seniors or elderly in your neighborhood and they're scared to go outside, offer to take their animal for a walk right now. You don't have to deal with them. You can kind of have an arrangement where they, you know, put the dog, you know, <laughs> outside or whatever. But use your own leash. Don't share leashes right now just because you are handling them and we don't want the spread of any germs. In regards to medication, I always recommend that if your animal is on any medication that you have a little bit of a stockpile, a good rule of thumb that I try to remember is anytime I get, or let's said differently, let's say I have a, a pill bottle, you know, for, for Piggly, and I take 10 of those and I put it in a little container in case of emergency, um, in like a little emergency <laughs> bag. Every time I get a new refill of that medication, I replace those 10. That way, take the 10 that are in there and put a fresh batch of 10. That way, if God forbid there is an emergency and you have to flee with your animal or whatnot, the medication is up to date as well because it's very easy to forget those medications. They may have expired two years ago. You've never replaced them with the new packaging and who knows if they're any good. So always keep in mind kind of replacing them out, switching them out so that they're up to date. Um, always have your rabies and your health certifications somewhere safe that you know you can get to. Always keep, you know, the tag on and get your animal microchipped. And please, 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 at least yearly, check that the microchip is working and check that your information is up to date. Because just because you have a microchip doesn't mean you can rest easy. Because if you've moved or if you've taken over the animal from somebody else or you've given your animal to somebody else and they haven't registered and updated that information, the microchip honestly is kind of useless. And I do have to say from experience, you know, Piggly, when I rescued her, had a microchip. 
When I took her to my vet just to have them all scanned and double checked, we couldn't find her microchip. It had moved. We, we don't know what happened. So we got her, you know, a replacement one. But so every now and then, it's not a bad idea. Just kind of when you go in for your normal yearly exams with your animals, have them scan for it. It's painless. It's free. Just make sure that it pops up and, uh, and that it's working and in good order. You know, it's weird uh, that you said that because I have, uh, I have one dog. She had three microchips in her. None of them were actually up to date, you know, so yeah. they were never activated. So they were actually able to find out what um, company was uh, yes. associated with that chip. And I was able to go in there and register it. And it, it does yeah. cost a little bit of money to make changes and stuff like that. So you've know, you got to be kind of prepared for that, too. Yes, that is a good point. Checking it is free, but if you, you know, you need to keep it up to date and stuff. And some of them do have you uh, do a fee. Not all, I don't think all the companies, but some of them do. And mind you, registering and changing that information is all done online. So you don't actually have to go anywhere to do it. You can do it straight from home. And, you know, I found this really cool app online uh, on my, uh, for my phone with uh, dogs. And it has uh, a picture. You can take pictures of their records. You can take, uh, put their microchip numbers in it. And it's all on your phone, and it gives you reminders like, okay, a month out if you want, because it, it started telling me, hey, I needed my dog to go get their uh, their Bordetella and their uh, and their really? December. And, you know, it's free, and that's what was really cool about it. And I think it's called Pets pet something. It's uh, Pet Stir or something like that. And I have to write that down. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, what, I'll, what I'll do is I'll put the, uh, I'll put the, uh, the link in the notes, but... This has yeah. been a wonderful program, uh, the app that I have, and I keep it up to date all the time. It has all the records. So if I'm ever out somewhere and I forget that, it's right on my phone. Oh, you I know? love that. That is absolutely great because, you know, planning for the unexpected is always important. If you have kids, you know this 100%, but oftentimes with animals, we forget. And I do have to say, unfortunately, anytime there's a crisis like this where humans are really concerned about humans, because it's obviously very important, animals kind of get the short end of the stick. Yeah. And so I think right now, putting, spreading that education and that awareness that you can't spread it from them and, to, uh, you know, and, and vice versa, and that they should not be turned in or abandoned right now. In general, out of fear, please don't, but it also... A lot of shelters are asking you, even if you do find an animal right now, don't turn it in because they're working very limited, you know, very limited. So there isn't the space, there isn't the amount of people that are coming in. The other thing that I want to mention is that rescue organizations, they're the ones, they're, they're 501c3, so they're kind of private organizations. They, their job is to go into the shelters and pull animals out, but they can't do that right now, a lot of them. So again, these shelters are just going to overflow with animals as the time goes on, as people continue to be out of work and can't afford their animals and have to turn them in. And the number of them leaving is going to just keep decreasing until this is over. So please, please, please do everything you can to keep your pet safe and in your care. Um, and if you do need to rehome or you need help, you know, if you can wait until this is over, at least that would be very helpful because then there will be a lot more resources in place than there are right now. And I think we'll end it with this last question because I think it's pretty important. Let's say, God forbid, you do get the, the, the COVID-19. What do you do with your animal? How, how do you protect that? I mean, because sometimes we're single people, you know, sometimes we're, we're married, but, you know, that person now can, is now in isolation. What do we do with our animals? How yeah. do we prepare for that? That is a very, very, very difficult question and something that we're having to face right now. My biggest piece of advice is to always have a backup plan, if possible. Have a friend that can take your animal in. Again, have them wash the dog as soon as they get there, you know, if they're concerned or anything like that. Um, there are still boarding places that are open. I don't love to board my dogs, but hey, if it's the difference between boarding them or turning them into a shelter... I will board them. Um, you know, so there are still kind of emergency setups for your animals. I would say the last resort is to turn them into a shelter if at all possible. But it is very difficult right now. I mean, if you have if you're sick and in bed and or or go into the hospital, it's it's a big mystery as to what to do to your, you know, for your animal. But I would always say to please use sites like Nextdoor. 
Craig, not Craigslist, Nextdoor, your Facebook. Um, a lot of them have community apps now and community pages so that you can ask for help. And a lot of people, this is the good thing that I am seeing, are a lot of people are right now trying to figure out who they can help, who needs it most. And they are going out on that limb to do so. So I would absolutely recommend talking to your close network of friends and then having a backup a little bit further out if it has to be asking your neighbors or your, uh, you know, your little neighborhood as well. And I know that we don't ever want to talk about this, but sometimes, you know, it, it's, it's inevitable. We get old, we pass away. But especially in this thing, the, the mortality is, is up there. And, you know, what do we do? How do we make sure that our, our animals are protected or go to the right people? So is this something we should keep in mind with like a living will or a uh, in our will that we take care of okay. our pet? It's a tricky situation because every state is a little different. Um, but if somebody passes away and their animal is left behind, oftentimes that animal, unless somebody, unless a daughter or a you know, son claims it and takes it in, it'll get turned into the shelter. And unfortunately, because of that, it has to sit in the shelter legally for 30 days here in LA County. I don't know about everywhere, so I don't want to speak on that, but it has to stay there for 30 days in case somebody uh, related to the person who passed comes in to, to collect the animal. And the problem with that is that it can't be, it is not the property of the shelter. So it can't be played with it can't get out of its kennel. It oftentimes can get sick because it's stressed and it loses its immune system. So it's a really big catch-22 because then it ends up having to be put down. So that combined with the fact that a lot of humane societies and um, especially humane societies, I should say, aren't legally allowed to take animals in unless the animal is pulled from a shelter. So if... God forbid someone passes away and you bring your animal to a humane society because you know that they are no kill, they can't accept it. That animal first has to go to a shelter and then when they have room, they go and they pull animals out of shelters. The only caveat to that is if you have figured out ahead of time and written that in place, that if you pass, the animal is to go to San Diego Humane Society or wherever it is that you're living. So planning ahead, figuring out your will, figuring out who is going to care for your animals is so important. We see this time and time and time again, where you think if grandma passes, you know, your dad or, you know, the kids are going to take the animal. The kids get a hold of the animal and go, oh, I, I don't want this. It's old. It's fat. It's sick. It needs to go to the vet. It's whatever, it's too much work, and they'll dump it. So it is so important not to assume that somebody is just going to take ownership of the dog if you pass. You have to make plans ahead of time. You really do. And a lot of rescue organizations won't let seniors adopt from them without a co-signer for that reason. Because oftentimes, and I know a lot of seniors get um, upset by this or offended, it's not, please don't take offense. The issue is if you fall and have to be hospitalized for two months, or if God forbid you pass away, you know, or you get ill and pass away, that dog's going to either get turned into a shelter, get abandoned, get, come right back to the rescue. And so they want a plan that there is going to be a, a plan B, which is just, you know, the best option for the animal. Remember, it's always about kind of the best situation for the animal. Well, this has been some great advice. I really hope people will plan. I mean, hopefully nothing like this ever happens again. Yeah. But, you know, it, it does happen. And so we got to be prepared and we got to prepare not only for ourselves, but our animals as well. Yes. You know, you have a really cool career. Tell everybody kind of what you do. How can people find you and see what you got going on? Thank you. Thank you. I am very lucky. I love what I do. And I hope that after all this is said and done, we'll all be back to normal and you know, back to our normal lives, but I um, I get to do all the pet rescue work for Hallmark Channel and their morning show, Home and Family, which airs on Hallmark Channel Monday through Friday mornings. Um, you can also find me online at Larissa Wall on Instagram and Facebook, and my website, savedbythel.com, and I always, you know, I can't always get back to everybody super quickly, but please 
send me messages, send me questions. Um, I do try to get to everybody and I want nothing more to educate people and to uh, remind people that fostering and adopting is fun. You know, right now, this is a scary time and so we're all kind of in stress mode, but it is fun and it is rewarding. And these are the only things keeping me sane right now <laughs> because they make me laugh and they need me to get up and take them out. And I'm, you know, exercising with them. And from a social distance, I'm waving to neighbors. And they're the only things kind of keeping me, you know, keeping my spirits up right now. So I really want everybody to, to experience that. And, of course, it comes with questions. And it sometimes can be overwhelming. So please reach out to me. Um, and I, I hope to try to get back to everybody as soon as I can as well. Do your dogs have an Instagram? So they do, but I'm really happy to get up to date because I try. I mean, it's like I don't, I can't keep everything going. It's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, website. It's a job in itself. <laughs> I try. Well, Larissa, this has been so much fun. I'm really glad you got some information out there. I hope that this Thanks. educates my listeners and my viewers as well. Thank you for spending some time with me, and, and uh, we'll have you back on again soon. Thank you very, very much. I really appreciate it and uh, hope this ends very soon. Stay safe. <laughs> Will do. All right, guys, we'll be right back after this. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> I'm going to stop the recording. Do you love horror? The strange and unusual fantasy creatures or urban legends? Do you want to step inside a dream or nightmare? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd and his award-winning photographic collections by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com. Get inside his mind and experience his inner weird. <laughs> <laughs> this is Big Dibetetto. You are listening to the AME Radio Show. Back to the show, everybody. We have on the line with us our special guest. His name is Christopher Polaha, and he is starring in a new mystery uh, 101 movie, An Education in Murder, that's going to be airing on the uh, the Hallmark Channel uh, Sunday, March 29th at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Pacific Time. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Jason. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on and talking to us about this. You know, I love to, to learn about my guests. I think that's one of the, my favorite parts of, uh, of doing the show is learning how you got to where you are today. You know, what got you interested in acting? So let's start off with that. How did, how did you get interested in acting and, and how did you get to where you are right now? <laughs> well, I'll give you, I'll give you and your listeners the, the short of the long of it. Um, when I was in first grade, I did play. Uh, Winnie the Pooh, and I played Christopher Robin. I had one line, it was, looks like rain. And I said my little line, I had an umbrella, I had to pop it open, and I had to reach my hand out, and I said my line. And afterwards, um, my teacher, Mrs. Tesloff, she came up to me afterwards, and she said, Christopher, you were the only little boy I heard on stage. And she's like, I was all the way in the back, the only one I could hear. And it was just this weird sort of compliment that seated itself just I was good at something um, and then I didn't really act all the way through the rest of elementary school or in middle school but in high school uh, I tried out for a basketball team and I tried out for the school play and I did not make the basketball team but I did make the school play and the rest is history I just started acting I was like one of those drama geeks and I just did it all through high school uh, fell in love with it went to NYU studied uh, theater more seriously and more intensely. Started a theater company in New York City. 
um, used to act for free all the time. And then one day I was in a play written by Eugene O'Neill called Mud and Butter. And the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and the Hollywood Reporter came and they reviewed it. And, um, and I got some nice glowing reviews. And from there I got an agent and a manager and they just started submitting me for stuff. And, and before I knew it, 20 years had passed. Wow. <laughs> sitting here talking to you. Yeah. So what do you love the most about acting? You know, I really love telling stories and I love connecting with people and I love the fact that I can use other people's words uh, to express ideas and thoughts and emotions and it immediately resonates with an audience. Uh, I love it on the stage and I've really learned to love it through film and television. Um, at the very least, we allow people to escape for a minute and they get to check out of their lives for two hours and, and go somewhere that's fun and, you know, mysterious or adventurous or filled with romance and comedy. Uh, and at the very best, what, what we get to do as actors is to teach and inspire people to be better human beings. And it's a really, I mean, I'm not, I don't mean to get deep on you and your audience here, but it's, uh, I feel really blessed and I feel like it's a calling and I'm, I'm super, super lucky to do it. Have you ever played like a character that when you got home from work, it was hard to break that? And real and go back to your normal life, or or you know something that just was maybe you played something a little bit more disturbing that was kind of hard to shake. Uh, did you ever have an incident yeah. like that? Yeah, I've been involved in a couple projects that they linger with you. It's almost like a film, uh, and I don't mean a film like a movie film. I mean like a like a like a layer of you know greasy uh, residue <laughs> that <laughs> sticks to you, um, and uh, they're hard to shake for whatever reason, whether it was an atmosphere on the set or whether it was a content matter. Um, but it, it's funny. I was just on Twitter and someone said, never play a drunk. We don't like to see you like that. And there was two movies I did. One was called Where Up Grows and the other one was called Run the Race. Both were directed by a, a man named Chris Dowling. And I played an alcoholic in both of them. Um, and that was interesting going to that really dark, sad place and, and staying there for you know, what what ended up being three months for one period and six weeks for another. Um, because it affects the relationships that you have on set and people can't help but see you because you're kind of stumbling around and you're acting like you're drunk the whole time. And, and so it's not necessarily like, you know, you hear people talk about method acting, staying in character. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much about about being in character and pretending like you're drunk the whole time, but you are living, you're living in this place. And um, they see you behaving a certain way all day and acting a certain way all day. And it's hard for the, the crew that you're working with to disassociate the behavior with you. Mm-hmm. And it's just to reflect in how they treat you. So that's always interesting, you know? Sure. So tell me a, li- a little bit about this movie. Um, you know, let's get the plot without diving too, too much into it. Because we, we want to leave something on there for them to, want to uh, be excited to watch. So what's the movie a, a, about in a nutshell? Sure. Um, well, let, let's start with let's start with the premise. Let's start with the let's start with the actual. So, for your listeners, we'll catch them up. So, it's called Mystery One Hundred One, mm-hmm. and it's a mystery cycle. And the Hallmark Network, um, they don't have these. It's not like a series where it, you know reoccurs weekly, but they do have a series of movies that are kind of like sequels, and you know. And so, this is our fifth one. Um, and it stars uh, Jill Wagner, who plays Amy yes. Winslow, who's a professor at this local university, and I'm, I play Detective Travis Burke, who's a detective uh, with the Garrison PD. And so I'm actually paid to solve crimes, and she's just an expert in criminology and, and, and observational. You know, she, she observes human behavior, uh, almost like superhuman ability, like it's like a superpower that she has. Um, and we find ourselves working together. And this is the first one, well, I'll give you the basics. So this story is about Amy Winslow. She has a friend who's murdering somebody, and she doesn't think he's guilty. She tries to get my help to prove that, and then, you know, things start to unfold, and the streets are foot. So... When you got the uh, when you got the casting to play this partic- this particular character, what drew you to play your uh, your character? Well, I was working on another Hallmark movie, uh, which was a little 
Christmas movie called Small Town Christmas, and I was imitating Jimmy Stewart like the whole time. Literally, like my character was based on Jimmy Stewart. I sounded like him the whole thing. And um, I got a call from our executive, Mary Beth Sprouse, and she was like, you know, we're doing a mystery cycle, and it, you know, it kind of takes place at a university. It was called Mystery U at first. And I said, send me the script. And so I read the script, and it was really charming. It was just a lot of fun. And I think there's an entire pantheon on television of detectives, you know, from Columbo to Sherlock Holmes to all of everybody in between, um, Murder, She Wrote. You know, you've got all these wonderful, cool detectives. And to throw my hat into that ring and to get the portrayal of detective on TV is, is a pretty amazing thing. And, then, you know, um, the audience has been digging it. They People have really enjoyed it. And that's also something that's a lot of fun to be a part of something that people are liking. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I think what I love about the mystery theaters and the mystery uh, movies and stuff that you can see is I like to actually try to solve it myself and see how close I yeah. And, you know, as I've watched some of these, and it's like you really think that you know exactly who's going to do it or what happened. And then at the end, it just kind of flips it over, and it's like, wait a second, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes it's unfair because they just throw something out left field. And we're like, wait a minute. You didn't even give me that piece of information to solve it with. But sometimes when they're done really, really well, it's little tiny pieces of information that were hidden that you've been given that you could have weighed. And, yeah, when they're done right, they're really a treat. Yeah. So was that the case in this particular movie? Did it kind of shock you with the ending, or was it something you kind of expected? Um, well, I think that this movie is twofold. This movie is the first of the franchise that delves into... So Travis Burke and Andy Winslow have this kind of uh, middle school crush on each other. Mm. And I think they're both very professional about how they handle the relationship and their friendship. Uh, and they're very professional because he's a cop and she's a professor and he doesn't want to put her in harm's way. And early on, he made a promise to her father, uh, played by Robin Grossman. I don't know if your uh, audience, if they're familiar with my work, I did a TV show years ago called Life Unexpected. Mm-hmm. And Robin played my dad. So Robin and I go way back. This is 10 years ago. Um, and so he was, he, he was tapped to play her father, <laughs> which isn't weird at all. Uh, and so this, this is the first of the franchise that really takes a, a, a beat to uh, sort of explore some territory in our relationship between between in the relationship between Travis and Amy. So I think the audience is going to get a kick out of watching not just a mystery, but also a, sort of a personal story about these two people that they've been solving crimes with for the last four movies. Is a little awkward, you know, having like a, a long time crush to work with somebody. I mean, is there some awkwardness in there too? Because I think that makes it fun. Yeah, I think one of the mandates early on was moonlighting. You know, and when we read the script, there was a there was a lot of fun banter and, and kind of witty banter. And I think that what Jill and I were able to find were here. She's just all joy, and he's brooding and kind of serious and moody. And what we found early on was like she could unsettle Travis in a way that he'd kind of stammer and stutter and was like a kid, was like a boy, you know, with a crush. <laughs> and you'd see her get all kind of, you know, shy and flirty and silly. And, and I think the audience has just really been, they've been sure where going along the ride with us. And it's, of course, it's a lot of fun to play. And, you know, I got a great co-star and so Jill is, is easy to work with and makes it a lot of fun. So yeah, I think there's a lot of, a lot of pleasure and not, couldn't be a better time to come up to have a movie airing, giving people something to to escape from and to relax and enjoy for a couple hours. Yeah, I've seen that too because you know with this new virus out there, a lot of the stuff that was t- uh, slated to actually air around this time never got to because they were still in the middle yeah. of editing or something. That now they can't. So I've seen a lot of networks just not able to put anything out. When did you guys finish taping this? Because that's that's kind of a uh, a, a luxury that you guys were able to get this out before you know all right. this hit before everything shut down. Yeah, so we filmed it in Jan- uh, in January. Really, and we were able to do post um, February. I remember I did post. I came back and I did ADR um, the first week of March, in fact, and then a week later everything kind of shut down. So we got in just just at the nick of time. Wow. So where was this taped? I know, I know. Sometimes with um, 
with uh, Hallmark, a lot of it's in Canada. Was this taped in Canada? Yeah, yes. It's all this shit. This is Vancouver. We're in the, uh, it's, out not, yeah, basically Vancouver, outside of Vancouver. Well, I know, you know, just from seeing some of the movies and, and hearing what people say, it sounds like Canada is an absolutely gorgeous place to visit. I would love to come up there someday and just experience it all. And I want to see the Northern Lights, and I, I can you see that in Vancouver? You know what? If you travel about three hours north of Vancouver, there are nights where you can see the gl- glimpses of it. But you have to tend to go a little further east and a little further north mm. to really uh, experience the northern lights. Like if you're in Montreal and you head up a little bit, but Canada is gorgeous. And the one one of the bonuses of working for Hallmark is they've sent me to some really beautiful places, yeah. um, like Montreal. Um, I got to go to Quebec and film in Ottawa to film. Um, I filmed in Toronto. They sent us to Fiji. I got to go mm. to Fiji and film. What do you like working the most about with uh, Hallmark? What makes them so special? Um, you know, they don't play a lot of games, to be really honest with you. I live, I work in an industry where it's just extraordinarily fickle. And I work for networks that have given me hold deals, where they've paid me money just to sit and wait for a job. So that they, they basically to take me off the market and only work for that network. Mm-hmm. And you know, you do a show for them and you do a couple guest spots and you feel like you're earning your stripes and then all of a sudden it's radio silence. And you're like, well, what happened? What did I do? What, what didn't I do? Um, because I think what this industry is based on is, you know, the next best thing and who's next and what else we got. And so you have a little bit of favor and you've got to capitalize on that and it has to be lightning in the bottle. Um, Hallmark is a really loyal company and they tend to use the same people and they tend to like who they like and, you know, they're always building that and broadening that base on who they like. It's not a closed circuit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one of those great things where, you know, I'm a husband and a daddy of three kids, and, and what I do for a living is act. And it's really, like, for example, um, I'm also currently filming, and we just got put on hold, uh, Jurassic World 3. Mm-hmm. And um, because my schedule, it was perfect. Like, I was going to go film Jurassic World, and then I was going to have about two weeks off and then start another one of these mystery movies. Um, but because of the virus that shut everything down, my schedule is now way up in the air. But the beauty of Hallmark is the wait. Go, okay, we'll do, you know, finish your job. And then when, when you're done, come and do this other one. Um, and it creates a really beautiful kind of work schedule. It's, it's amazing. It's actually unheard of. Um, and then, so there's that aspect, the real pragmatic aspect of, of why I find a lot of pleasure in working for Hallmark. And the other end of it is the audience. Uh, they have a rabbit fan base that is matched only by like the teenage boys from Marvel movies who are now college guys. Um, it, it's just, there are, uh, there's a legion of fans out there who are so rabid and fervent. Um, and they just love these movies and they love their actors and they are supportive online. Um, I mentioned one of those movies I mentioned from the race, um, aired in theaters last February, so February of 2019. Okay. And my producers came to me and they said, man, we saw ticket prices, like ticket sales. Um, a lot of them are people who have, and either through social media, I don't know how they found this information out, but they got the data and they were like, a lot of these people are your fans from Hallmark movies. Um, and so they're just a really supportive, fan base. I love that. Like it's it's amazing. Yeah. And you know what I really appreciate about the Hallmark channel and it's something I've always I've always really appreciated is that they give you shows that you don't have to worry about screening for your children to watch too. It's very wholesome. They have they have great commentation. They don't have a lot of um they don't have a lot of ne- negativity and bad words and things that just like, you know, you see it like, wow, I, I'm, you know, kind of embarrasses you yourself. So they really bring some of the good, wholesome stuff back to television that I, I you're, you're missing on some of these other networks. Not that that's bad, but sometimes it's just fun to get away from that and just see something, you know, clean and, and fun and, and, and entertaining. Yeah. yeah. Well, remember uh, in the news cycle in the fall, they had campuses, universities where they had something called a safe, a safe room. Yeah. Or safe zone for, you know, for kids who just felt like they needed to get away from everything. Yeah. And I feel kind of like sometimes Hallmark's a safe zone on television. Like if you just want really fundamentally basic, simple, you know, no agenda, no message, 
you know, pop it on without having to worry about what your kids are seeing. Uh, mm-hmm. That's exactly the place you can do that for, you know? Exactly. That are, that are cartoons. <laughs> you know, some of the cartoons I've watched when but I was a kid. even the cartoons are... today. Yeah, even the cartoons yeah. today. <laughs> I mean, when you really think about it, if you watch the old Coyote, uh, the old um, uh, Warner Brothers stuff, I mean, some yeah. of that was just like, wow. You know, it, it, it's like, I can't believe I watched this. Yeah. But at the time, I didn't think anything of it. I just liked to see the characters and what they were doing. Super violent, right? Like, I'm surprised by the, there's like, there's a couple components, but one of them is like, super violent, where I'm like, wow, this is a lot more violent than I ever gave a credit for. <laughs> That's right. Funny. Yeah, it's funny. So, what do you hope that people take away from this particular movie when they watch it? Well, I mean, I don't want to, I, I literally don't want to give anything away because if you're a fan of the, of the franchise, of the Mystery 101 franchise, um, then this is sort of an episode that you've been waiting for. Um, and if you're new to the franchise, then it's just going to be a real fun treat to watch. Um, and so I think I'll leave it at that. I think it's going to be a seminal episode uh, as far as these characters are concerned. Love that. Now tell me where can people find you? Because I'm sure that you know you got some fans out there, or some people that would want to be able to check you out and see what else you got coming up in the future. So where can people find you? Um, well, I'm on all the, the your basic social media uh, outlets. I'm on uh, Twitter at Chris Palaha, but it's Chris with a K. So don't you know? It's my mom was getting clever, but it's uh, Chris Palaha, and I'm on Facebook uh, at Christopher Palaha. I'm on Instagram at Palahaha. All right. Well, Christopher, thank you for coming on, sharing some of this. I really hope people will check it out. I mean, when you really need something in this time, this is the type of movie that can do it. It can bring your family together. You have something to watch. It's going to be fun, and you can challenge your mind because maybe you could try to outsolve the movie before you guys. (laughs) Yeah, awesome. Well, Jason, thanks so much for taking the time to have me on your show. I appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, guys, we have to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after this. Don't go anywhere. Jason Dowd of Imagination Art Studios is proud to announce the release of his steampunk collection, which is currently on tour across the country. There you will see beautiful handmade masks from Venice, Italy, that accentuate beautiful women to create amazing stories and feelings to those who visit the collection. Each photo series has a theme, mask, authentic props, and beautifully elaborate outfits, all collaborated in the mind of Jason Dowd to create the right emotion and feeling. The masks come from a shop at Epcot at the Italian Pavilion, where all these photos are on display for you to see. This is one of the biggest accomplishments of his career, having his work at Disney. Come see the beautiful first release of the series, which includes Distressed Dancer, Spanish Serenade, The Pied Piper, and Reaching for the Czars. You can see them in person or online at www.imaginationartstudios.com. For more information, visit the website. Again, it's imaginationartstudios.com. Our Facebook is Imagination Art Studios. Twitter is at Dow Studios. And Instagram is at Jason Dow. Come and be mesmerized by the masks and the stories behind them. Hey guys, it's Michael Campion. I play Jackson Fuller on Fuller House, and you're listening to AME Radio. Hey, everybody, welcome back. You know what? We got about a minute and a half before we got to close out the show, and that's okay. You know, because I had a great time with you guys, I had a great time with our guests, and I hope that you learned a lot along the way as well. Now, in this time of stress and, and fright and whatever else you want to call it, I am most thankful, not only for my family and friends and my, and my pets, but to be able to have Disney Plus. I'll tell you what, that thing has been a lifesaver for me because it's kept me completely sane. Well, I guess as sane as I could be through this time. And I've been able to go back and watch some shows that I haven't seen in a long time, but I really enjoyed as a kid. But one of the things I got to see was the Frozen 2, because they, they have it out now. It is now streaming. It's not, out in the, it's not out in the stores yet. So if you missed it in the theaters, go check it out there. It's got a great ending. In fact, the ending was such a twist, I was never, ever expecting it. So please, when you, if you get a chance to go enjoy that with your family, do that too. If you have Disney+, Plus, it is streaming for uh, streaming right now. Okay, so we are going to close out the show. Um, 
we can uh, we're going to be here every Saturday and Sunday. We have another show tomorrow with some more guests on there, so please check that out as well. You can find us on AMFM two four seven every Friday night at ten p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and every Friday every Saturday at five p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can find us on WKLAP.com every Friday at eleven a.m. and every Saturday at seven p.m. You can find us on Radio Love that's Radio LUV.com every Saturday night at nine p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also find us on iHeart iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, and more, phoenixbroadcasting.com, on demand, anytime. If you missed any of that, go to our website, go to the Find Us tab, you'll see it. And also, we are on 13 AMFM stations, thanks to amfm247.com. So, until tomorrow, keep those creative juices flowing. Good night, everybody. That's the end? We're done. Calm down, people. Calm down. Okay? That's it.